Anarchy 101. Work. As this is an introduction to anarchy and the topic is work, it would seem obvious that we are going to have an anti-work position. No one likes being told what to do. Work sucks. End of story, right? Not quite. Anarchy is not about taking arbitrary positions just for the sake of being contrary. It is about priorities. It is about principles. It is framing a conversation about the future in such a way that it is desirable instead of merely plausible. This is not to say that the anarchist anti-work perspective is not part of our greater concern. This is part of the tradition. We will review it first. The basic anti-work position usually refers to compulsory work, a job. The logic follows this sort of line. Since anarchists have a political philosophy that extends beyond mere reformation of the system into a deep questioning of the system's foundational aspects, every part of an individual's life should be called into question as part of a political practice. If there's going to be a, quote, revolution of everyday life, we have to examine the counter-revolutionary life. That life looks like drudgery, commuting to a career, underemployment in the service industry, and education as the quest for higher wages are all the real ways in which people work in the 21st century. All the old-fashioned ways of drudgery, repetitive tasks on assembly lines, pulling resources out of holes in the earth, the science of efficiency management, breaking big rocks into little rocks, etc., still exist too. If these are the choices available to us, and by and large in this world they are, then it is easy to understand an inclination against work. Socialists, of which many anarchists number themselves among, have a barely more liberated view of work. They tend to see it as essential, who we are, and not consequential, what we are forced to do, which means that their rhetoric around work is conflated with discussions about social change and human nature. If, as the argument goes, the proletariat, or working person as a class, is the engine for social change, then the argument against work is an argument against the proletariat. Therefore, most socialists are not interested in a criticism of work because it is seen as contrary to their project of social change and of their understanding of people as workers. Some influential anti-work writing includes Paul Lafarge's The Right to be Lazy, Bob Black's The Abolition of Work, Raoul Vanaheim's The Decline and Fall of Work, and Jim Haynes' Workers of the World Unite and Stop Working. Another important anarchist tradition, along with an anti-work perspective, is that of anarchist participation in the labor struggles of the late 19th and early 20th century. Anarchist involvement in the labor movement can be traced to its very beginnings. The International Workingmen's Association, or First International, formed in 1864, was an organization composed of a variety of social groups and labor unions throughout Europe, and included anarchists. Disagreements between anarchists, who refused to work within the electoral system, and Marxists, led by Karl Marx himself, were willing to work within electoral politics, led to the dissolution of the First International. Anarcho-syndicalism, or anarchist trade unionism, believes in worker solidarity, direct action, and self-management. It has been the most activist of anarchist tendencies. Anarcho-syndicalism has been connected to the social struggles in the United States, mostly through the Union Industrial Workers of the World, and Spain via the CNT. Anarchist trade unionism has lost much of its momentum, as has the labor movement as a whole. This is related to the skilled trades being automated away, shipped to countries with more draconian policies regarding unions, and the co-option of the labor movement. It is arguable, but probable, that because of increasing preparation by the owning classes and lack of class solidarity, workers' power will never have the successes that it was capable of in the early 20th century. This does not stop many anarchists from still seeing this conflict as a central part of their revolutionary practice. Influential writings from this perspective include Rudolf Rocker's Anarcho-Syndicalism, Gregory P. Maximoff's Syndicalists and the Russian Revolution, Sam Dolgoff's The American Label Movement, A New Beginning, and Emily Puget's Direct Action. 
Modern anarchist syndicalist writings include Arthur J. Miller's Making Anarchist Revolution Possible and Brian Oliver Shepard's The Anarchist Syndicalist Answer to Corporate Globalization, as well as Tom Wetzel's The Origin of the Union Shop. While many anarchists believe that social change is fundamentally linked to what people do with the majority of their time, compulsory work, exactly what this linkage is remains very much up to debate. Is the conflict between the owners of the means of production and the workers the central factor in future social change? Is the nature of the means of production, industrialism versus services, for example, the fulcrum? Does the casual relationship that many first world workers have to their own labor relate to a deep discontent? All of these questions about perspective and dozens more inform the anarchists' strategic relationship to work. Perhaps a larger perspective shared by anarchists is that work, the labor movement, and production are not going to be the primary impetus to future social change. This is not just because of the failed attempts in the past or the fact that a self-conscious working class no longer exists, or because of the war attrition against working people by the owning class. This is because the modernist self-understandings of neighbor as friend, self as worker, and worker as necessary have all been shown false. Class consciousness is pretty rhetoric, but isn't likely to become a practical unifying principle anytime soon. Alienation better describes today's experience, and is hard to describe as a unifying principle. Social life tends towards common media consumption and a silent shame about how much of daily life is in pursuit of useless products and exorbitant expenses, more than it relates to any shared project. If there were an anarchist principle about work that most every anarchist would agree with, an insurmountable task, it would be that work should be a pleasure. It should be non-compulsory and should concern useful activity, like growing food or raising a roof. If we were to talk about a world where this was our understanding of work, it would be a very different world indeed. There would be no financial services industry, no military-industrial complex, and no advertising industry, as just a few examples. There would be no 12, 8, or even 6-hour workday. We would no longer measure a day's work as a static quantity. When we had a project, an idea, or a need that we wanted to pursue, that is what we would do with our time, and we would labor as long as we felt it was appropriate. We would live a life where we made choices based on our needs and desires at a given moment and not a set of arbitrary goals inflicted upon us by others. As with other visions about an anarchist future, this is a qualitative leap from the world we live in today. Whether the relationship with work we want looks like an ecologically sound micro-factory where we and our closest friends build green widgets and sing labor songs all day long, or a hunting and gathering band of primitivist philosophers, it is a far cry from sitting on the Bay Bridge waiting for the Hummer in front of you to turn down their flat panel television set so that they can tell the bridge attendant that they only carry plastic so you can crawl your way to your shitty desk job. If we are going to radically reevaluate the role that work takes in our social, productive, and spiritual life, we are going to have to abolish the way that we work now. This may not look like past efforts at social change. There may be no marches on Washington or no speeches on church steps. It may be that social movements in the future look less like unifying for a righteous common goal and more like a shared distaste. Either way, an anarchist engagement and critique of work, the politics of work, and the consequences of work on social life will be part of that transformation.